to catch any of you punks in here again? Stop it, man. It's a free country. We'll go wherever we want. Not in my school, you can't. Try and stop us. We'll be back. We're the youth of today. God bless America, limp dick. Folks, welcome to another episode of the Sin Beef Podcast. I'm not going to go back and edit that, but here we are. <laughs> um, how's everybody doing tonight? Uh, Suzanne is here. How you doing, Suzanne? I'm good. How are you doing today? Fine. Besides fumbling, fumbling my words already, I'm, I'm doing okay. <laughs> With us also tonight from the Sin of Podcast and the... Oh, what is it? Obsessive Cinema Discord podcast, right, Corp? Is this going on yeah, here? Obsessive Cinema Discourse, which yeah, is discourse, which, yes. Which which is in its death knells right now. I think it's spiraling away. Oh, um, I'm sorry. It's in a it's in a coma, unfortunately. But it was fun while it lasted, and I I don't I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take it off the ventilator and see what happens. <laughs> I, I only said it because it's a thing, and I had to say yeah, it's a thing. So, but Court Sinops is here. How you doing, sir? I'm excellent, and I'm actually super stoked to be talking the movies that we're talking tonight. A um, little behind the curtain for everybody, Gary changed up the schedule just to get me on this show because I'm super stoked about, well, the original lineup we were going to do, but we'll get into that, I'm sure, as well. Yes. But the lineup that we ended up substituting with, because one of the movies you'd already covered, I loved both of them as well. So I was like, yes, we're doing this. This is awesome. Nice. Um, be able to start the show the same way we always start the show, and... uh kick at the court first and ask him what he's been watching lately. Uh, I took advantage of a voodoo sale not too long ago and got both the Avatar animated series, the Avatar The Last Airbender, and then the Legend of Korra, I believe is the name of the other one. Um, I'd seen them both before, but I've been it's been a really long time since I watched Avatar The Last Airbender, and I've been kind of re-watching that, and it's almost therapeutic for me. Um, I've been kind of like burning through those episodes like, basically at night right after my wife falls asleep and trying to get to sleep myself. And, uh, I've been loving it, uh, having so much of a blast again. And I want an APA, which is the flying bison. I want one really bad. Oh, I'm aware. My, my, uh, <laughs> my, my friend Rico, uh, I, I love, love him to death. We named his son Zuko after one of the characters in that show. So, <laughs> oh man, what a turnaround Zuko has. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't seen it, but um, the the way that Zuko's journey goes through that show is really well written, and I love the conflict that he has within him. And it's perfect for a quote unquote firebender that he would have all this uncontrollable rage that he needs to focus and that kind of thing. Otherwise, it destroys everything around him. Very cool stuff. Anything else, Court? Yeah, I've been watching a little bit of Mind Hunter, but my wife and I have been so busy, and I am forbidden to watch it without her. 
And also, we can't watch it at a certain point in the night because she needs to get it out of her head before she goes to sleep or she will have nightmares. So, like, there is a very limited window that I can watch these shows in, and it keeps narrowing more and more. But the second season has been really fucking good uh, so far. I'm only about, I think we're about three or four episodes in. And from what I've heard, things start getting really, really dark and twisted about this time. So I'm like sitting there with the remote, like I'm trying to inject it into my arm. Like, can we watch it now? And my wife's like, no, we can't. It's too late. I'll have nightmares. I'm like, damn it, woman. (laughs) (laughs) I've been watching that. Um, Just just killed the hell out of the third season of Glow. Um, We just sat down and just binged watched the whole thing from the beginning of episode one all the way through season three. Like just while we're doing stuff, we're watching the other ones we'd already seen and then settled in to watch. Uh, season three and just sat down and just like tore through them all in like all in like the space of however long it takes for each of the it's like what 13 hours so we we did that in like two days you know of just watching watching the show and hanging out and it was so much fun the third season has been excellent i really really loved it the only thing is they pull away from the wrestling because it's not about that it's about how their lives have been affected by the change of them going to vegas and I miss it. I miss it so much in this season so that when I finally do get to see some wrestling, I'm like ecstatic. Um, but to kind of alleviate that, I go back to, I think it's season two, episode nine, where they show what their show was actually like on TV and how wacky and weird it was. Uh, and that's like, a, it's like in four by three and it's all just like this corny, like editing and tricks and remember, all this yes. kind of stuff. I love that episode. I watched that probably way more than anything else. Um, I'm eventually going to have to just crack and try and find the old episodes of Glow because I loved Glow when I was a kid. So it it seems like that's going to be the thing I'm going to have to go back and find. Hopefully it'll live up to my warm and fuzzy memories of it. (laughs) I got a Comic-Con I'm going to this weekend, so we'll see what I find. It's probably really (laughs) shitty quality, though. Oh, I know. If it's going to be shitty quality, I'd rather not have anybody else pay for it, especially if they're going to be bootlegs anyway. Uh, that's that's the only way you're gonna get them, unfortunately. Is that way? So it's a... yeah, yeah, I know. But I'm I'm sure there's there's probably something out there that I can find, and you know, <laughs> but it is what it is for for that kind of stuff. And that's all the stuff that I can really kind of remember. Um, besides watching stuff for my show, which has been as we were kind of talking off mic before this show started. Uh, we're we're doing adult films lately, and uh, it has been a breath of fresh yet stank air to watch this stuff. Did you say it's a breast of fresh air? Yeah. Yes, it's it's a breast of fresh and stank air. There you go. <laughs> we refuse to open the windows to let the stank out after these. We got a hot box that shit, man. Seriously. It's, it's a, <laughs> just a waft at all the smelly air. <laughs> yeah, there's certainly some hot boxing going on in a lot of these films that we're about to watch on our show. So that's uh, that's coming up very soon. And oh my god, is it filthy! Speaking of Stevie hot boxing, Suzanne, what you been watching, the girl? Huh? Come on now. Oh, wow, that was a really terrible segue, Gary. Was it terrible or was it awesome? Oh my god, that was funny. Well, I. One of my friends started watching Mindhunter, picked up on season two, so I have been back re-watching season two since I blew through it in two days. Wow. I tried I tried to dole it out over, you know, maybe four or five. I watched three on Friday, and then Saturday I was a little hungover and lethargic, so I'm like, well, maybe I'll watch one or two, and finished it. <laughs> but uh, there are... 
this season, they really amped up just the sheer creepiness. The music, everything is just... I don't think it could be more perfect except for one little thing I'm noticing from season one and two, but it's eh, it's just a minor, minor thing that doesn't really mean anything. But yeah, I've been watching that. Obviously, show stuff. Uh, I was kind of poking around and watching a few episodes of Tales from the Dark Side. Watched a little creep show, a few episodes of Monsters. I'm just really excited about creep show coming up. I uh, watched a the first two episodes of Glow. I can't wait. I, I, I've really got to sit down and finish that series off. Um, I think that is... Oh, yeah, and still finishing off the season one of What We Do in the Shadows, which is hilarious. Nice, but that's nice, about nice. it. Oh, man. Uh, um, Voodoo, again, back, back to the Voodoo sales. They, always have, they have this sale now, and they switch up the titles. Th- three movies for $5, and it's a bargain for some of these, but these three, well... Two of these in particular, I'm glad that I, didn't, I didn't pay a whole lot of money for, because um, it's like, well, these deserve a rewatch, and then I, I quickly decided they did not deserve a rewatch. I watched the movie Beautiful Girls from from the '90s. It's got a lot of you know toxic males in that movie, including Matt Dillon and uh, well, not in real life, I'm sure, but Timothy Hutton and Michael Rapaport. Um, it's it's one of those movies that's of, of its time and um, about dudes. Falling in and out of love, Timothy Hutton comes back to town for after a long absence, and for some reason he wants to fuck a thirteen-year-old Natalie Portman. I, I don't, I don't get this movie, but um, it's 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 a thing, and uh, I remember my sister liking it quite a bit, and I'm I'm watching it, and I'm like I, I'm I'm wondering why she liked this movie because there's something wrong with these males in this movie, and uh, yeah, they're kind of shit, and <laughs> but um, needless to say, I watched Phantoms too. Because that was in that three for five that I picked. I was like, hey, let's watch this. And then all the stuff. I think Bo did like a little mini episode um, of like six months back or something talking about the movie. And all all the badness just kind of started flowing back. Like, what the fuck is Peter O'Toole doing here in this fucking movie? I, I, I doubt the paycheck was that big. But Phantoms is kind of a big pile of shit. So I, I don't. I don't remember the biggest Dean Koontz fan, but I don't think the adaptation was very good either, according to some people that I talked to that are big Dean Koontz fans. I, I don't... Yeah, but the third one of that bunch was, um... I think the the, the the little scene, but I think... It's got a lot of laughs in it for me. Uh, Extract, the Mike Judge movie, I, th- is, I think is a, is a good time. Um, filled with some good character actors in there. Um, Clifton Collins Jr., um... Damn, uh, Jason Bateman's in the movie. Kristen Wiig, there's 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 tons of them in there, and I I I, I enjoy this stupid movie about an extract factory. And Mila Kunis shows up in that movie. She's a big old fucking scam artist, and that's that's fun. And I don't like her in many things. I've ever voiced my opinion about her, but I think she she ruins most things that she's in, and except Black Swan, that's sexy, and I, <laughs> that's, uh, that's hot. But um. Um, besides that, um, what, what else did I watch? I have stuff to watch. I didn't watch a whole lot, though. For some reason, I ran through the, the, um, the first three scary movies, and I, I haven't watched these in quite a while, and once you get past the first two, you, you start to realize that there's a depreciation in quality there, because the Wayans brothers left. 
you have late tier Zucker Brothers bullshit in that third one and beyond, and that's is I got some laughs out of it, but I, I it's not like those first two, and I I, I just can't do it, man. I'm glad, I'm glad I watched the third one because I got some good laughs out of Leslie Nielsen, and um, I forgot that Simon Rex was a thing, and I'm glad that he went away to tell you the absolute truth. Oh, I don't. I, I I mean to watch all these uh these uh TV shows. And Naya has a squeaky toy that I hear. She's fine though. Uh, <laughs> Sorry about that. No, she's I fine. I just I like can't what the hell? I was I like the fucking the Suzanne get birds now. I was like, come on, man. You know, um, a lot of reruns because I, I I do that. Parks and Rec and you know the league. I, that's my going to sleep stuff, guys. Um. Beyond that, I didn't watch a whole lot more because uh, it's only been like two days since we recorded last, so my my watch list is very empty. But uh, insomnia is kicking in, so that that jacks up that watch list if you ask me. But um, I'm gonna kick to the next segment and say, what is your beef, bitches, and mashed potatoes? Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't who order fries. Who gets the barbecue beef? Mine's the Duke Deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? I heard that. Kick it to court first. Uh, what's eating you, sir? Uh, people in environments... Like, let's say I went out to a restaurant on Tuesday with my wife and the people that were waiting to be seated just like us were loudly reading out the menu and making a big fuss about every single thing and making a huge production to try and get, I guess, all eyes on them and all attention or just like serious attention whores. Uh, And then throughout the rest of our time in the restaurant, there were various other people doing kind of the same thing or just like basically yelling something in from their table or doing something to get attention like intentionally and being showboats and it was just really irritating and I've just discovered that me being basically the introvert that I am I am severely annoyed by extroverts and I get very angry by them but I don't mind you being outgoing and wanting to talk to me I really mind you demanding that everybody pay attention to you you're not that fucking important you know you're just not. You're not as witty as you think you are. You're not as cute as you think you are. Shut the fuck up and let the rest of the world just enjoy their fucking dinner. That's my big beef this week. I had to sit on a train one time and listen to four white people talk about the magic of air frying <laughs> for, for a good 25 minutes, Court. And super loud, right? Like super loud to try yes. and make sure everybody... Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the fucking worst, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. it, it is better for you. I get it. I get it. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but duck fat frying tastes better, so shut the fuck up, you air frying freak. There you go. What you said, yes. <laughs> Suzanne. Oh, uh, well, it's it's kind of family-related. I'll try to keep it vague. Gotcha. And while well, my mother asked me to reach out to one of our family members, I pretty much have My family decided they quit talking to me. They quit talking to my mom after my grandmother died in the late 90s. So I'm like, you don't have a second to drop a line. I was sending Christmas cards, never got anything back. So I'm like, okay, you just don't exist to me anymore. But my mom 
you know, she has her moments where she gets really upset about it. So she's like, hey, can you see if you can find him and message him or something? I'm like, well, let me do a quick search. And guess what I found out? He's dead. That sucks. I'm sorry. Um, not a phone call. Not a note. Nothing to let mom and I knew because I know my mom was really close to them. So I was like, okay. So I was going to look up another one of our family members. Guess what? They're dead too. You know, I, I, I know. So I was told my mom, my mom's like, you know, she's trying to be all tough about it. It's like, well, you know, they just, they never gave a damn about us. They only, they only cared about grandma. So you know what? They can go to hell. But you could tell my mom was upset. I hate, I I hate toxic family. I stay as far away from my family as I can because I saw what kind of people they were. I am collecting a few of them on Facebook because one of these days I'm going to lose my temper and a lot of them are going to hear a whole lot of shit that they don't want to hear about themselves. But it, I really could give a damn about him, but my mom said she didn't give a damn, but she was upset. Toxic family can go to hell. Stay away. Whatever. Just don't do it. Yeah, it's always good to know, you know, when people, even people I don't like, I mean, no, I take that back. Because my dad's brothers are pieces of shit, and I hope, I, 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 I I'm, un, I'm unknown if my Uncle Larry's passed away, but he was the type that, he shared the same name with my grandfather, and he, used his social security number and built up a whole bunch of bad credit and they were still paying it when they passed away and yeah people like that uh i hope you get cancer the balls and die and yeah that's a that's something i hope or something more painful um so i i I haven't detached myself from my family but there's a good 12 people in there that i'll talk to so it's, it's, it's one of those things it's a personal choice oh i'm down to three my sister around my dad so actually my my sister and some of the members of my dad's side of the family yeah on my mom's side of the family it's me and mom and that's it yeah i get it oh my god yeah mine's mine's not that severe <laughs> uh as i said i'm going to convention this weekend and i i got into this group for this convention this group uh facebook group which is always <laughs> toxic and uninformed people any <laughs> facebook group you go to people and these people, you know, you know, when you have a convention, it says right in the thing, right in the fine print, you know, they're, they're subject to cancel. So when they cancel, they cancel, and they replace it with new guests. Well, these people are not only bitching about the, the guests they canceled, and what, why is this happening? I was like, because, you know, these are working actors, and something could have came up, and there's a reason why they, they cancel. And then they had new guests that they feel cost too much money. And they think in their stupid idiot uh, amateur con going days that these people are getting all this money that it costs. Uh, needless to say, I paid $250 for a photo op and an autograph for Jeff Goldblum. But I'm fully aware that a service does those photo ops and they, he's he's guaranteed money for being there. So they obviously have to mark up their stuff in order to make their money back as far as like that goes. So... That two hundred fifty dollars not go to Jeff Goldblum. I'd say he gets a portion of that, maybe a third of that, if you will. But these people think that you know they're just money grubbing morons, and 
they don't know, know what stuff costs, so they should just shut their idiot geek fucking motherfucking mouths. And I, I, I use that derogatory um, geek to these people because they don't know shit and they're the wrong kinds of fans. And I fucking hate that shit. And I don't argue with it. I let other, I let other folks do their arguing for me. So when they say something stupid like that, I just sit there and stew and say, you guys really don't know how shit works, do you? And so for the next time you go to a convention and you're paying... $110 for Robert Englund autograph. It doesn't all go to him. It goes to other things, too. So, I just, um... That, that's a gripe I have. Un uninformed people. In many facets. Not just... Not just comic conventions. You know? But, um... Man, I'll leave it at that. But, uh... Tonight, we're here to celebrate... Yay! All the little fucking bastards going back to school... By, by dis discussing... Two films... That are school-related in a lot of ways. Like Court says, we had an original programming going on. One of those films, I think I did way back in episode 76. Suzanne might have even been there. Uh, New, New I was on that one, yeah. actually. Suzanne, we did that in Massacre. Yeah, Suzanne, Nudie, and X were on that show. Uh, yeah, we, we did that, and I believe Massacre at Central High. Yeah, it's called Central High. And Jawbreaker, all on the same show. Oh, yeah. So we will not be discussing Class of 1984, because we've done it already. So go look at the Wayback Cinema B feed, and you will find it there. Um, but instead, we're going to discuss its pseudo-sequel, Class of 1999, which is just just as fun, I think. And um, one of my, my all-time favorites. And this is the joy of being a podcaster, people, is that when you get to your most, most favorite films... You get to, like, gush about them, and I can't wait to gush about this one, probably in green phlegm because of the, the, the spirit of this film. Our first trauma on a full show ever, I know, it's almost 150 episodes, Class of Newcomb High, can't wait, guys, for both these films, and I, I know we're all very excited, but uh, <laughs> we'll get into Class of 1999 right after the break. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Ah, necrophilia. Ah, ah, ah. It's a dead issue, man. Don't, don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this? No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, crude. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in it. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of it. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How be did a rough you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. In 1998, six million violent incidents took place in American high schools. In 
including 29,927 teacher fatalities. The public school system has been reduced to a battlefield. But the Board of Education has just found a solution. The perfect solution. You're next, Mr. Cope. For the class of 1999. Where are you? The class of 1999. These androids were supposed to educate the students. Battle droids, Miles. Battle droids. To graduate is to survive. Class of 1999 from the year 1990. Uh, your cheapo plot synopsis is this. Robot teachers have been secretly placed in schools where the students have run riot, run riot. The fuck does that mean? The teachers do a good job of controlling the unruly youngsters until they go too far and some students get suspicious. Well, one really. <laughs> that one in question is uh, character actor Bradley Gregg, who you may know from Nightmare 3. He's the Philip the Puppet guy in that movie. Uh, he shows up in Stand By Me. He, he shows up in lots of things. Uh, Tracy Lynn, who you may know from Fright Night Part 2 in My Boyfriend's Back. And then you get a whole bunch of character actors. Malcolm McDowell, Stacey Keach, and that wonderful dude in this movie. Oh, amazing. <laughs> oh, God, that is such an amazing skunk look. Coolest rat tail ever. Yes. Patrick, totally. Uh, action and um, pretty much action staple of the 80s and uh, late 80s, early 90s. Patrick Kilpatrick. Uh, Pam Greer, of course. Um, John P. Ryan, if you don't know him, you may have seen him in Runaway Train as the crazy prison warden. Yep. Oh, Joshua Miller, uh, he may know as Homer from uh, Near Dark and the shitty little brother in Teen Witch. <laughs> yep, that's what I know him from is the shitty little brother in Teen Witch. He didn't act as much, really, though. What's up? He was also the shitty little brother in River's Edge. River's Edge, yes, that's, that's it. I was going to mention that. I forgot all about it. Thank you very much. He had the market cornered on shitty little brother. Man, oh man. Did he ever. Oh my gosh. This, this film, um, I saw on cable first, and then I, I had to seek out the VHS because the DVD did not exist until, I think, just just like five years ago or something. So, Wasn't uh, it the Blu-ray release from uh, Bestron Video whenever they came back out? That's I think there was an Artisan DVD a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's and then. Yeah, and then that print was around on digital stuff where you could buy it, like, from Voodoo and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I I splurged and bought the Blu-ray <laughs> when Vestron released it. Yeah, I still have to get that for sure. Um, I'll start with, I guess, Court and ask him, what does he think of Class of 1999? I have a very seriously uh, deep personal relationship with Class of 1999. Uh, I know we weren't going to, quote-unquote, talk about 1984, but... This is more than just a pseudo-sequel. This is actually a spiritual sequel. It has the same director, and they were going to do a direct sequel of having the kids rise again and take revenge and try and take back over the school and all of that. But then it morphed into this, like, uh, escape from New York, but instead of a prison system, it's a school system in the middle of a war zone type film that they did. Um I watched this because I automatically assumed that this would be a sequel to class of 1984 as a kid, because most people would it's class of, and then a year. So you automatically draw that correlation. And I think that's why they named it class of 1999, even though it's a completely different story. And they did that intentionally to tie it in for the people that like the other one. 
Uh, class of 1984, when I watched that as a kid, convinced me that that's how life really was. Like when I was a kid, I thought that's what inner city schools would be like everywhere because I grew up in the <laughs> middle of nowhere. Sneaky side review of class in 1984. I just did. Yay. Um, <laughs> but anyway, after I watched that and loved it and was terrified of it as like a really little kid watching it on like TBS one night when I couldn't sleep years later on cable class of 1999 comes out and I ended up watching it thinking that I would get more of the same. I'm like, Oh man, this is going to be so hard edged and insane. And I got exactly what I was expecting for the hard edged and insane, but I had no idea that it was going to be like, half road warrior escape from New York, post-apocalyptic war zone, future half class of 1984 redux. And then you throw in like these Terminator moments with the cyborg teachers. And it's like this smoothie of just exploitation. Awesome. This movie is great, man. It's so entertaining. And I watched it once it came on cable again and I recorded it. And I probably watched this every night for like six months of my life as a kid when I couldn't sleep. I enjoyed it that much. Um, it had been years, man, years since I had watched it. And then I just checked it out again recently um, before we actually did this show. And I loved it all over again. I saw so much more stuff that I dug. The practical effects in this are incredible. The robotic looking stuff, the the melt away arms and, you know, the the I want to say they're bazooka titties, but they're not. They're like flamethrower tank titties for Pam Grimm. Yeah. <laughs> whenever, whenever, they, whenever they reveal that, I'm like, what the fuck is going on and why is that turning me on so much? Well, you, do you, you do get to see nipples, you know. Yeah, but they're clearly not hers. I mean, I've I, I haven't I haven't studied. I've studied. I've studied Pam Grimm's body <laughs> a lot. I've looked at it a lot, and that's very clearly not hers. And they didn't even sculpt them to look like hers. No, they look bad. <laughs> that's why I'm saying they're definitely not hers. So don't let yourself be fooled. She didn't get, um, you know, like molded to make those. They just made breasts that they thought could trick people. Um, there's a lot of that guy actors in this as well. That's like uh, one of the main robotic evil teachers. The gym teacher dude is like the guy that beats the fuck out of uh, Nick in uh, the stand and then ends up being like the guy that he takes care of until he dies from the super flu. He's in uh, lots of stuff, dude. Tons. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, that's the thing. This movie is a catalog of that guy and that gal actors. And I was convinced for the longest time, the main actress that is like the sort of love interest, sort of a girl to be fridged and, or become the rescued item for our quote unquote anti-hero. I was convinced for the longest time that she was one of the homebound hookers in Dutch because she looks so much like the one that sits in the back and Ethan Embry's character falls in is love it? with. No, it's not her, though. No, it looks I, a lot I, like her. I know. I thought it so much, even so that I was going to talk about that and say that I can't believe that that's the same actress, you know, because I had a crush on both of them in both movies. But turns out it's a completely different actress. But then when I realized she's in Fright Night 2, I'm super pissed that we don't have anything for Fright Night 2 yet. Like why that hasn't been released on like a Blu-ray or digitally or anything yet. You know, because there's I actually some, enjoyed that movie. There's some controversy in there. I, I forget what it's about. Um, somebody somebody died or something, and it fucked up any release that they've had since, the, like, the VHS. And I have the DVD somewhere, but that's, a, that's another movie. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So anyway, the reason I'm doing this is because the reason I'm going all over the place with this is that's exactly what happened to my mind when I watch this movie now. Whereas I was more focused on the movie itself when I was a kid. And also the look that these guys have their cyberpunk where they have like 
circuit boards hanging off their earrings or like weird like bones mixed with uh capacitors and other circuitry parts that they're wearing and all that for that pseudo futuristic look some actually weird, in some weird it, neck gear for sure <laughs> I, yeah. I noticed that this time around actually influenced the way that I used to dress when I was like 12 when I first saw this movie and loved it. So part of the reason why I'm probably this weirdo fucking punker kid um, besides the fact that I was into the music was I was like, wow, look at the way that these guys are dressed. I'm going to gank this circuit board out of my old AM radio and wear it as a necklace. (laughs) Yeah, so anyway, obviously I really enjoyed this film. Sorry to be all over the place, everybody. Oh man, that's okay. Uh, Suzanne. Wow, this I remember renting this because uh, I really wasn't even thinking it was class. It was a sequel to Class of '84. It's like, no, kids tearing up school. Yeah, I'm in. And I have to admit, I really, I really dug this. I dug this movie a lot when I sat down and watched it last night. It, there are certain things that I that really that I remember that stood out, but I think it was like court. I watched it, and I just there was a lot of other things that I started noticing. I really the effects were so well done for the time when the gym teacher's basically his skin gets melted off, and he starts walking and crawling along. That is creepy as hell. The makeup it was it just worked, and once again you have this amazing list of actors that have done just about everything it's it's fun i like the fight scenes were great everything was well staged well choreographed and it was a great movie you want some action there's not a dull moment moment in this movie at all it's straight up fun i really enjoyed it i would I, now that i've seen it again i remember how much i enjoyed it so yeah, I, I I dig it a lot. Pretty much everything Court said, I agree with. Oh, it's my turn now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I nothing but love here in this room for this movie uh, for for so many so many reasons. One of the things is uh, something I just learned on IMDb is that it was Stacy Keach's uh, um, decision to play that role, albino. And that's just hilarious. You like, know? I couldn't love him anymore after hearing that, right? <laughs> I know. He reminded me a lot of the character he played in Body Bags with that hair. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It's a fucking ponytail, right? Yeah. Because remember, <laughs> they had him going through the computer thing with all the different hairstyles. And I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. He looked like sorry. he looked like 80s level David Bowie with the weird eyes that he was supposed to be like. I was thinking, is he like part cyborg? I didn't realize he was supposed to be albino. I thought he was just part cyborg. I was hoping part robot or full on robot at the end of that movie when we get the conclusion right? that we got. But yeah. Oh my gosh. But yeah, but like, I'm oh, sorry. It really works for his character, though, because he's so striking. The minute you see him, you're like, what the fuck is wrong with that guy? It doesn't play as albino. It plays as there's something wrong with that dude. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were just defending themselves. What were you supposed to do? You know, right. as a... Oh, he's so magical in this film. I love Stacey Keach. Oh, he's he once again, another one of those actors. I, I'm usually excited when I see him in something. I mean, hell, I found a treasure trove of a bunch of the old Mike Hammer TV shows. Nice. Those are fun. I used to watch those with my mom. So when I saw this film, I was like, holy fuck, my camera's got a weird white mullet. <laughs> 
I also I forgot to mention uh, the main um, one of the main brothers who the guy who dies earlier from the edge overdose forced to him by uh, Harden or John P. Ryan, the actor. Love that guy. Uh, yeah. The, the kid who gets killed there, he forces all the drugs down his throat. That's fucking Ed from Northern Exposure. Oh, that's a, that's a show I've never watched, so you guys are alone on that one. Well, he was also in Crybaby. He was the bass player and the guy yes. that was like Hatchet, Hatchet Face's boyfriend. Milton. Same actor, yeah. Nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, so yeah, well, I, I was like, oh, go ahead, Suzanne. Oh, no, 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 I, I agree because I, when I was watching it last night, I'm like, wait a minute, that dude looks really familiar. Right. And I, had to, I had to IMDB that. I'm like, no, it is. <laughs> I was just waiting for him to get all quiet and then, like, talk about how much he loves movies, but it never happened. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta pull out that stand-up bass, start playing songs for us and shit, you know? She's the queen. I love it so much. It's it's, (laughs) it's, it's my kind of shit, man. But, um, yeah, this movie, like, everything they mentioned so far is is spot on, but, um, it's surprisingly gory if if you watch this movie, and there's, there's parts where... Um, in, in the in the end of the movie, you you can see um, Harden, the John P. Ryan character, who's fucking insane. He's probably my favorite one of all these people because he's got this big shitting grin on his face, screaming all the time, and um, and that's that's just fun to watch because he's just as crazy in this as he is in Runaway Train, and he's got this like claw attachment. This is like his the each chapter thing. Uh, Patrick Kilpatrick's character, and Mr. Bryles has the rocket launcher. Pam Greer has the fucking uh, flamethrower, and uh, yeah, he has a claw that has a drill in it, and the, the part where he drills the hole in uh, one of the last black cards that's alive at the end of this movie, well, not anymore, you can see the drill going in the head, and you know, I wish I had a high, the high-def Blu-ray of it so I could see it even better, but it doesn't shy away from the gore. There's another scene in which um, Mr. Bryles uh, kills the the principal Malcolm, Malcolm McDowell by sticking his fingers in his neck. You just you see the insertion of the fingers, and then you see the aftermath, and that looks awesome. Um, there's there's so much. There's some great action set pieces in this movie, where I don't think they could catch him on that bike and that Taurus, but here we are. I'm just talking just to talk. You know? <laughs> it was a souped up cyborg Taurus. My grandmother had that Taurus. It doesn't go that fast, okay. Just, it was uh, a souped-up cyborg Taurus. <laughs> okay. It, it looked like a Taurus on the outside, but on the inside, it was like a hell beast under the hood. <laughs> it's like the Wraith under the hood then, you know? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's some great, there's some, some pretty funny standout scenes, most of them involving John, um, John P. Ryan. He spanked some students in this film. Oh, that's, that's funny. So yeah. The I was... Fun. I was cringing when he was doing that. I'm like, and, and that, that was that was just fucking weird. I'm sorry, it was just weird. Did his cyborg look like he was getting a kick out of that? Like he was enjoying it sexually a little bit to you guys? Because he seemed like yeah. he was really into it. Oh, he definitely seemed like he was really. He had that big, scary grin on his face the whole time, and then his hand just started pummeling their ass. Mm. It was just, it was just weird. I love this guy. He's really good at playing this disciplinarian asshole type person. He was the fucking principal in three o'clock high and he was amazing in that. So seeing him in his, seeing him in this movie and just seeing him be like that, it just is so natural and so perfect for him. And I swear I didn't realize he was in three o'clock high until we started talking about 
the actors and I was going through his like the the various faces and just kind of looking. I'm like, holy shit, that was that was a principal. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, next year that may be a thing for the Back to School episodes. I I, I haven't done that yet, so. That's oh, all. that's such a good movie. I love Three O'clock High. Oh my gosh. I haven't seen that since it came out. Another one of the great action set pieces of this movie is uh, where the teachers decide to start a war with the Razorheads and the Blackhearts that fight each other in the in that battle scene. And of course, they infiltrate the battles the, the battle and start picking off the kids one on one. There's a part where. <laughs> They pull somebody through a wall, and he literally folds his body through the wall backwards. That was great. That's that's fucking great. Yeah, that great. was awesome. Man, this whole thing is amazing. Uh, mentioned Stacy Keach's hair. Uh, that's the star of this movie. That's a that's an actor on itself, right there. That hair is just <laughs> just chewing up just chewing up scenery, man. It's amazing. Yeah, it's it's up there with Lee Marvin's eyebrows. <laughs> If you could put that hair on Lee Marvin's eyebrows, you would have one dangerous and deadly motherfucker. Oh, God, yes, you would. <laughs> you guys mentioned, you know, the stuff at the end. It's it being like the end of the Terminator. Well, if you listen to the soundtrack, it sounds just like the soundtrack that was in Terminator in that particular scene, that particular chase scene. And, of course, uh, him going down to the his meta- metallic innards only, you know, c- cemented. That it sounded just like, and that didn't play out like Terminator scene because you know, of course, if you've seen the movie before, he goes out a whole different way. But um, I like the fact that I just read again. I read on the internet that um, the thing at the end was an actual puppet that was puppeteered by ten people. The it looked like it was a puppet. It really did. Like, but not in a bad way. Like it looked like it was yeah. actually there, and the actors could interact with it, and they could they'd have to duck when it swung at them and stuff. And it was really well puppeteered. Yeah, and it was even though it was it was very creepy looking. The way he moved, it was I it it could have come off as fake, but just the movement alone made it insanely creepy. It looked like it was in pain, but it was out for vengeance. Yeah. yeah. Oh, when you first meet the robots, this made me laugh because it reminded me of. The, the bad robot uses in, in Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Yeah, they walk when in he, the same. <laughs> when, he, when he reveals the, the, the 120,000 megabytes or whatever it is, face, and, you know, they start moving around. I, it just reminded me so much of uh, Bill and Ted's bogus journey, and I smiled a little bit. And... I can't remember what it was, but I tried to calculate it when I was at work, and I think it basically was saying that they had a petabyte of data. And I don't I don't know what the petabyte of data actually is or, or why a cyborg would need a petabyte of data, but that's a lot. <laughs> oh, and uh, what do you need in a good action movie like this? You need puns, and there are puns aplenty in this movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, what's what's the one after... Uh, remember science class back in the day, guys? Because I doubt they have it now, when they had running gas within the science lab. Well, the, their plan was to blow up Pam Greer with her, with her flamethrower, and it, it works out. And then, of course, when they get out of the room and it blows up, he says, I guess I burned that course. You know, something like that. You know, it's like, yeah, you need puns in this movie. And I love it so much. <laughs> I love that the female who is usually in this, especially in this movie, she was basically like in constant need of rescue and Cody was constantly saving her. But I love that she got the action hero lines because each of the puns was pretty much ones that she delivered because she's more she's more clever than than Cody is. Or he's just like, oh, I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> 
He's just, he's just, I, I love Bradley Gregg, but he's, this, he, this, this is the movie I think that he's had the most to do in. So him, him delivering some of these lines, they sound kind of like wooden and they are, but you know, they're, they're really fun at the same time where they had the, the, the scene where they're going to first go to school. And of course they go in Razorhead territory and Hector, the little, the Razorhead chases them and he flips his car over. I guess Hector's going to be late to school, you know, shit like that. You know, I, I love I love stupid shit like that, and it's this movie is full of it. And if you haven't seen it, you gotta watch it because I I, I love both of those movies equally, but this one takes all the seriousness out of '84 and just oh, yeah. makes it really fun and amps it up to like eleven. And I I think it's it's great. And I read what you read, Court, that said that they were gonna have you know characters from that original movie. In the same situation against these cyborg teachers in which the Perry King character and Timothy Van Van Patten character were going to get together and fight against these android teachers. And, um, that would have been something, but I, I like what we got. God damn, what a good action movie and just a great genre picture in general with all these people in here. Yeah, if they were going to go overboard with it, they went in the right direction where they're like, you know what, this stuff is still hot right now with these futuristic sort of dystopian world falling apart. And it's a logical extension of what they did because, you know, they were trying to show how bad things were going to get in four years. And now they're trying to show how bad things got in nine years after that with these movies. So it works out. Yeah, but I'll, I'll kick it to you, Cornette. Anything else you'd like to say about the film? And what do you give it one to ten? Yeah, there's a couple of lines that the guy who played Cody delivered really, really well that I liked. When they find his little brother has been murdered and he screams, Jump me right fucking in now! Yeah, the way that he... Mind. Yeah, the way he delivers that line and the way that he just, like, loses his shit is probably the finest acting that I've ever seen that particular actor do. And it stuck with me to this day. So uh, that was something I had to get out as, like, a final thought. I just loved that that moment. Uh, there's a few other things that he did where it was, like, a lot flatter. Like the uh, family fighting over the drugs and then he throws the bottle against the wall and calls them a bunch of pathetic losers and storms off. Yeah. That was like, ooh, that didn't work. But the jump me right yeah, fucking was... in now, it brought me right back around. So. It, was, it was very after school special as well as it should have been, though. So. Right, right. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's like, was that intentional? Were they trying to make it? Because they, they did the super drama-y music, too, where he's like, no one understands me. I got out of jail and they're all just a bunch of druggies. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I can't separate my love of the film from an actual critique of what I would have wrong with the film. This is a straight 10 for love, <laughs> pure and simple. Cool, cool, cool. Suzanne? Oh, I'm, I, I just don't know how to rate this. I, I, I really want to kick back and watch it again just for just the sheer fun of it. Uh, like it said, the, the puns, I know you love the puns. The puns just got a little heavy-handed for me, but I do love the uh, jump me in right fucking now. But I hope they didn't kick his ass too badly because they had to go to war with the Razorheads. And you really don't want to have him, like, busted ass and down. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm actually... Most of my love is going into this. Just a few of the puns got a little overboard for me, so I'm at, like, a nine. Uh, fair enough. Um, I'm with Court, though. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it that ten because I think it's perfect, you know, the way it is. Like I said, you, you got these young actors mixed, mixed in with all these character actors and... It, it 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 helps it elevate the film to where they if they have shortcomings, these character actors will swoop in, you know, and 
just pick pick him back up. You know, kind of like when the Undertaker fights at match now. He's got to fight a young guy to pick him back up because he's too fucking old. But uh, <laughs> that's another beef for another time. Um, it's it's a ten for me. It's it's a favorite. It, I think it'll always be a favorite. It's a uh, it's my kind of insanity. And uh, up next though, oh man, it's that Atomicai hit, hitting us all like that hot box and the other the other kind of hot box, not the hot box we referred to earlier. But you know, it's, it's uh, <laughs> you know, you roll the windows up, you all got high at the same time. It's good stuff. Uh, <laughs> Gary in his twenties. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, class of Newcomb High coming your way right after this. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. Most effective, Your Majesty. Will you destroy this Earth? Destroy it utterly. Send Rick and Danny in wool rocket Ajax. So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Hail, Hail Ming. Ming. Wait! You see those transmissions on the Visua screen? Crow? Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud 2? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? Oh, I've seen those things. Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Hell Ming Power Hour. Disobedience to Ming. For now. You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At www. You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bastages. Hail Ming. Breaking 2? Electric Boogaloo? Samurai Cop? Army of Darkness? Flash Dance? <laughs> <laughs> we might destroy the planet if the Flash Dance. <laughs> Welcome to Tromaville High, an average American high school, with one exception. It's located only one mile away from a nuclear power plant. They said it was 100% safe. But they were wrong. There's no danger, Governor. We have the situation well in hand. Welcome to the class of Newcomb High. Yes, at Newcomb High, strange things are happening. The Honor Society has changed from a group of clean-cut preppies into a vicious gang of cretins. We're the youth of today. The teenage student body is transformed into horrifying mutations. 
and physical education has turned into a nightmare of violence. The class of Newcomb High. Introducing Warren and Chrissy. I love you. Two young lovers caught in a world gone mad. Class of Newcomb High. Yes, at Newcomb High, anything can happen. And does. The class of Newcomb High, where you'll learn the three R's. Reading, writing, and radiation. Explosive action of the year. <laughs> the class of Newcomb High. Rated R. Class of Newcomb High from 1986, a trauma film, of course. A uh, plot synopsis is this. The pupils at, at a high school next to a nuclear power plant start acting and looking strange after buying contaminated drugs from a plant worker. I, I'm not going to name a whole bunch of names because these are names you probably don't recognize, but I'll name a few that I think that are staples of the, of the trauma, er, the 80s trauma stuff. Uh, Robert Pritchard, who plays Spike in this movie, he shows up in Toxic Avenger and a couple other things. Uh, Pat Ryan, who's the... The power, Mr. Finley, the power plant, uh, the guy who owns the power plant, he shows up as the mayor in Toxic Avenger. There's a couple other ones. Gary Schneider as Pete shows up in Toxic Avenger as well, as uh, one of the one of the guys that runs over kids' heads and shit, <laughs> along with Robert Pritchard. Um, there's, there's maybe one more in here, but I'm not gonna go get, go into that right now. This 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 is a fucking favorite too, so you can imagine what my rating's gonna be for this one. Um, <laughs> I, I love it dearly, and uh. I'm going to kick it to Suzanne and ask her what she thinks class of Newcomb High. Oh, my God. I can't even tell you how many times I have seen this movie. It was a constant rental for me for years when it came out. I love everything about this movie. I love the fact that the Creightons were the honor students. They kind of got twisted by the nuclear weed and just became these really fucked up, monstrous, hilarious people. And when Spike kisses the German teacher and she turns into his, like, uh, bondage girlfriend, that had me laughing. His toxic kiss turned her into a whole different actress. Yeah, it did. <laughs> I... Oh, God. Oh, my God. I just think it's so funny because he's totally trying to play on the, the evils of drugs in this, but just done to perfection. I, I love the nuclear plant guy because I think he's been in most of the trauma movies. 
He was the mayor in Toxic Avenger for sure, and he usually plays like this scumbag kind of character like he does here. Yeah, I know. I swear I he was in Beware Children at Play or a few of the other ones I've seen. I swear he was in those because he's one of those actors you just can't miss him when you see him. And I think it's really hilarious that her uh, her miscarriage turned into this monstrous thing that saves them and then tries to kill them. It's just got like I said, it's it's funny that he played up a lot of the uh you know, don't take drugs, don't have premarital sex. These are bad things that can happen and amped up. And they always do, they always really amp up. Just it's not even gore. It's just gross stuff. I mean, the green foam and the nerd foaming all over the place, and then getting in jumping out of the window. And there's some kind of gory parts in the movie, but it's still I can't even remember the name of the boyfriend and the girlfriend, but oh my God, they are such stereotypical high school jock and cheerleader. Chrissy and Warren. Chrissy. Yeah, Chrissy yeah. Warren. Thank you. I could not remember their names to save my life right now. But they were they were really good. It's just, it's fun. The Cretans going in and... I, after smoking the atomic weed and he turns into kind of a toxic Avenger type character who's getting sick and tired of the Cretan shits. It's the, just what the bladder work is terrific. And I, I oh, say, yeah, you know, the, the, the gore work of this movie, I, I know that if, um, Lloyd uses a lot of like melons and stuff. If you, if you listen and talk about it, and if you read the book, if you're one of me, an independent filmmaker, Go buy Lloyd's book in, in uh, the, the Make Your Own Damn Movie book because you'll learn all kinds of shit that you may need to know, like how to make fake blood, how to fill a melon with hamburger meat and blood and blow it up, you know. <laughs> so much yeah. stuff in that book that's useful if, if you want to make a film. Yeah, I just I, for me, I've, I've just had such... I just have such love and such fun memories of this movie. I've watched this. God, I remember I was having a party one night while my mom was out of town. Please don't tell her that. And <laughs> one of my friends saw this movie, so instead of, you know, trying to do all of the things teens do at parties, we ended up sitting around and watching Glass of Newcomb High. So it, that'll tell you, everyone was into it. It's just one of those movies. I think it's one of the best movies that, I think, okay, in my opinion, I think it is the best movie that Trauma ever did. I enjoy the hell out of this. I... This I watch it probably about once every couple of years. The Cretans are my favorite part of the movie. I can't help it. I really like Spike. And the dude who's got all the rings in his mouth. And what is that fucking thing he keeps in his mouth? That's it's a, like a, a pacifier? It's a mouthpiece. Yeah. It's like a like a bite guard kind of thing. And he just constantly tries to talk with it still in his mouth. Yeah, it's it's just a fun movie. I really like it a lot. I will continue to watch this about every other year and probably until the day I die. I still share it with people who've never seen it. And I, I just, I love it. Thank you, Uncle Lloydy, for giving me Class of Newcomb High. Cool. X. X. A court. <laughs> if you're going to mistake me with anybody, it might as well be X. That, that's <laughs> a total go. compliment for me. Uh, I was just reading in the trivia here on IMDb. Now, I'll take that to, you know, however you will. The original title for the film was just going to be Newcomb High. It was later changed to Class of Newcomb High in the hopes that people will mistake it for Class of 1984. 
Nice. Perfect that we're covering it tonight. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I remember seeing this film on USA up all night. Regrettably, it was probably the one, the, the time that Gilbert Godfrey was hosting and not Ron Desheer. Not that I dislike Mr. Godfrey, but I love looking at Ron Desheer a lot more, if you know what I'm saying, and I think you do. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So obviously all the good stuff that you would normally want to be able to see with this film is cut out. Uh, anybody who rented the R-rated, quote-unquote R-rated cut of this that got released to, like, video stores, because that was a big thing that happened to Troma all the time, their stuff got overly censored uh, compared to other movies whenever they tried to get a rating to be put on rate on shelves because the MPAA had it out for Lloyd all the time. So I have seen heavily cut, severely cut versions of this for most of my life and still loved it because of the corny cheese ball fun that that is this film. And I can't remember the, the first time that I watched it fully uncut. It may have been just a few years ago or what have you. I think I, I think I got a Netflix DVD of it and saw it uncut. I think it's when the original trauma DVD came out. That's when the, uh, the uncut version came out finally. Yeah. And that version, which we have watched uh, tonight, which you would be able to see pretty much uh, it's uh, on the YouTube print. And I think the prime print is the same one, although you won't have to worry about commercials on prime. So if you got it, check it out there. Uh, that's where I watched it. It was a complete breath of fresh air. The restoration is incredible. You can actually see they made a good film. You know, most of the time, whenever the pro the, the prints get struck from these things with trauma, they don't have the money to do fuck all that great. And for the longest time, it was just rehashes of whatever VHS transfer, even on their DVDs. And seeing this restored version, you can tell the people that were making this film, even though they didn't have a lot of money and even though they probably didn't have a lot of time and even though their resources were extremely limited, they shot it on film. They took the time to light it as you would professionally for a film. It pops. There is a lot of detail in the scenes. There's a lot of background jokes. A lot of the kind of weird visual gags and things like that that are in the background and like some of the graffiti and stuff like that reminded me of the stuff they did in Return of the Living Dead where like the eye chart actually reads out Bert is a slave driver and other things like that. There's a lot of little subtle things that I was noticing while watching this today that I really just was like giggling and having a good old fun time. And I kind of have to agree with Suzanne, like for my money, I don't think I can think of off the top of my head another trauma production that they did themselves where they are the producers of the film, not just a film that they bought and brought in that I like better or that I can enjoy more, even kind of more so than the toxic Avenger. I like this more. This is better. I will say this. I can't say this about many trauma films as far as it goes, but this is probably the best edited trauma film that there's ever been because there's a part of the movie where um, they're in the basement with uh, Taru has now uh, captured Chrissy. She's down there with Spike, and the creature has grown to full size now because he's fallen in the vat of toxic waste. And um, he sticks his claw through Taru's head, and you get the one shot of the claw going in, and you get the, uh, the, the next shot, the very next frame of the film is going to the back of Taru's head. It looks great, but I, I know it's, it's, it's a fake head, but you can never, you can never if, unless you're really looking for it, you couldn't really tell because the effect looked pretty flawless considering what they paid for it. Yeah, to use wrestling terms, I popped for that. Like, yes. that got me. It was so well edited. And you're totally right. You usually don't get that excellent of a match. There's usually a mismatch in the jump or things don't look quite right. But the turnaround of that where they show the creature punch in one direction and it comes out on the cut for the other side, the match edited on that is you never get that again in trauma. 
that I can recall of all the trauma stuff that I've seen. And I've watched a lot of it. So I totally agree with you there. Yeah. This film is probably the finest, the, the, the pinnacle of what they produced. I haven't watched any of the sequels because trauma sequels tend to have a complete inversion rate that's like worse than other sequels <laughs> for a drop off. Um, yeah, I'm, that's I'm, my problem. <laughs> I'm looking at Toxie 2 and Toxie 3. I mean, I yeah, still but, love those films, but they were a huge drop. They can't back hard with, with uh, Citizen Toxie, though, I got to say. Oh, yeah, totally. Toxie 4 is like is probably my second favorite trauma film of all time. <laughs> and I don't want to reveal what my first one is because it might ruin my rating here. So I'm just going to move on. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Duke of High, man. Like like Court said, probably the first time I ever saw it was on up and up all night as well, and I uh, I've been in love ever since. And I I want to say that you know because they used to do this, they did it with uh, Nightmare Sisters, they did it with many films, in which they inserted deleted footage inside the television cuts. So it's it's almost worth watching those television cuts because there's stuff in there that's not in the regular film that's not necessarily always good, but it's stuff that you don't see every day. So. Don't discount the television cuts. I think that Nightmare Sisters on the on the, the um, Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray has that television cut on there, which I I appreciate to high heaven. <laughs> it does. Tell you. It, it does. I own it. It does. I watched it. <laughs> I watched both uh, versions. <laughs> but they they did that, and so I can appreciate the different cuts of the movie, and I can love it just as much as as watching the unrated cut. And courts like courts said that the fucking print on the from Amazon is is um. It's flawless. It's, it's from the Blu-ray, and it looks it looks great. And I, I, I oh, remember. it's it's crystal clear. I remember watching this on VHS when it was like grainy and just. It must have been rented a lot because it was just dark, and it just it didn't look good. The VHS was really shitty. Oh my god! Yeah, the stuff. Uh, there, there's lots of good stuff in this movie. Mostly observations for me, but. I love that the Smithereens show up in this movie doing the thing because my cousin Joey was a big Smithereens fan, so it 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 instilled into me that I liked Smithereens too. So <laughs> that girl's much too much. That girl's much too much. It's a good song, man. I love it. That, that's a great performance. Uh, not until Terra Firmer did we get another band just show up for no reason in the middle of a movie that mm-hmm. just completely owned the scenes that they were in, and that's like the Lunatics when they were in Terra Firmer. Yeah, I mean, pretty great. Yeah, I can't think of another band that Trauma put in a movie that it worked quite as well as it does with the Smithereens here. That's still one of my favorite experiences is that two drink where Matt came out and we watched Terror Firmer because he, he had no idea what he was watching. You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. That's one of the things that I thought of, and we're also talking Trauma. So <laughs> when he told uh, me you guys were covering that, I'm like, oh, you're going to have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I noticed I, I noticed stuff this time around that I never noticed before. Maybe because of the HD print, and I never noticed it before. But when um when when Spike goes to put the moves on Miss Stein, who's the German teacher who has a very Jewish name, that that that, that wasn't an accident. I don't think by Uncle Lloyd that her name was Miss Stein and she was teaching German. Uh, you know. <laughs> um. Yeah, and I'm not big, really big on tattoos on a girl, but when she made the transition to, to a different actress, you know, <laughs> Taru had all those uh, tattoos and stuff. I'm not a big tattoo guy on a girl, like all kind, like maybe like one here and there, but like ones that like like Luna Vachon in the WWF back in the day grossed ah. me out to high heaven. But I knew she was a tough chick. But um, those the fucking thing on her face, I was like, ugh, that's gross. But uh, Taru was hot, man. I, I gotta say. 
Um, oh, so much to love. The the monster looks great. I love a good, I love a good rubber monster. But this, they got them all slimed out and spiked out and clawing people's faces off. And like like Suzanne said, the Cretans are the best part about this movie because um, they they were they they used to be the honor society and you know <laughs> they 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 smoked they did drugs and this is like a big PSA. This movie, the Cretans were the honor society. They did drugs. Now they're these. Now these. They're despicable, like human beings. The yeah, kids drugs do to your kids, and then oh, don't don't have don't have premarital sex. Or you'll fucking spew out a fuck out of your mouth and fucking toxic sludge baby that that falls in in, in a pit of toxic sludge and becomes a big monster, and that's it's uh t- taken out by a laser. Uh, which I, I love one of the lines of the movie. I, I forget Warren's dumb friend's name. He looks like. He looks like Shelley from Part Three of uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, but it's it's not him, obviously. But he he has the laser in the lab, and he he want, I know he fully intends to say John Holmes, but he he says I'm gonna give it to her like John Dillinger or something like that. He says because he's yeah. got the he's got the laser on his crotch and he turns it on. Yeah, he said something about you haven't seen a weapon like this since John Dillinger or something, and it wasn't even a weapon. It just made no sense. Yeah, he was either referencing a Tommy gun that John Dillinger used or John Holmes' large penis. Yeah, it was it was very confusing in that sense, but I don't care because it was just, it was like his goofy friend. And you gotta love that goofy friend because um, <laughs> one that'll get you a magical joint to get your girl all horned up, man. Because oh boy, she did. And you know, the only thing more horned up than her was the product placement of this film because Popeye's chicken was all over this fucking movie. <laughs> and I I think it was in other movies too. Like maybe Lloyd had some kind of like deal for craft services with Popeye's chicken because they had Popeye's. I, I want to say Popeye's was in Toxic Avenger too. There was some other films where Popeye's chicken was featured. And yeah, he he would make deals with fast food restaurants to be able to shoot there, and then he would buy stuff to feed the crew from them and things like that. So he knows how to wheel and deal. You're absolutely right about the make your own damn movie book. If you're interested and you want to try and go low budget, that's the route is to look at what he did in the book and just go from there. What else? All oh, the soundtrack of this film where we we talked in the chat. And I, I I told you I'll bring it up, Court. I, I wish somebody would release like a fancy vinyl version of this so, so I can own it and listen to it because some of the tracks in here I don't know how hard they are to find, but I imagine they're pretty hard to find. It's not just the Newcomb High's the the title the title track for the the class of Newcomb High uh, song, but what's going on? There's so many good songs in here that play throughout the film, and I think that uh. They need to be released somewhere. I, I should talk to the trauma table next time I'm there because it's not Lloyd usually, but they're guys that work closely with Lloyd. So if I ask them a question, they'll they'll probably know the answer, the correct answer. <laughs> you um, know, even just a digital download of the soundtrack that you could get too that would be like a high-quality version of those songs. They got to own the ones that were, or at least have the rights for the ones that were written specifically for the movie. I'm sure they'd have a hard time getting a hold of the Smithereens track and everything like that, but like at least the like give me a single of the you know the Dukem High song itself that I can get in a high res type download and just you know offer it for what a buck I'll pay a buck for that you know all day and you could make a grip they could do that with all their soundtracks that they own the music for. Oh, I pay too. If I find all the tracks, people, I'll release it as not the Newcomb High soundtrack on the Legion feed, okay? <laughs> that way, you know, copyright can say, because, hey, it's not the Newcomb High soundtrack, but it is the Newcomb High soundtrack, because somebody needs to put to get that in your ears. I think it's pretty great. 
Oh my god. Like, like we were talking about, it's probably the best edited trauma film there ever was, because everything looks great. You know, they're all using, like, real sets. If you've seen the, the, the trauma films over the years, there's a car crash <laughs> that originated in Toxic Avengers that they've used, like, 157 times. Uh, it was... Uh, uh, Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD is that car crash, and then they oh, use okay. that. Yeah, that's also uh, 1990. Sergeant Kabuki Man is kind of the demarcation point where things start to go downhill a little bit for me. I mean, I still yeah. love like Romeo and Juliet and everything like that, but it's just it's a much different trauma post uh, Sergeant Kabuki Man than what it is now. I think much like you know movies we we, we were talking about the 90s on Duncan Show, it's that transition from the 80s to the 90s. You're allowed. To, to to not do well. I don't think Lloyd's ever cared about taste, although he's he's one of the nicest men you ever want to meet, you know. But uh, as far as like taste goes, his movies, I don't think he's ever really cared. Although I think he's tamed in the years because if you've seen Return to Nukem High, I'm I'm not the biggest fan in the world of that movie. But I'm I will have to watch it again when Part Two finally gets in my ears and eyes. And um, but I I. They did something with a Glee Club or something, and those were the Cretans, and they sang all the time, and I, I was like, "No, nah, this isn't really for me." And uh, <laughs> that's that's just me talking shit, though. It, it's just not great, but the stuff um, past that Glee Club stuff was was pretty decent. So I give it about half and half. I give it about a six if I had to give it a rating. Um, we get none of that here. You just get like funny gags, funny sound effects, weird sexual shit. There's a scene in which they're having a dream sequence where her belly gets really big because she gets pregnant with this thing, but it's a dream, and Warren gets a massive boner who he's just, he's just too excited about, this fucking massive boner. That's the but size yeah. of, like, seven people standing on top of each other because it goes yes. to the ceiling. It's but ridiculous. Fair, it, it is about, it is about seven foot tall, yes. But probably the best, the best scene in the whole movie is when Warren goes all fucking toxic, like you guys said, and he, um... Everybody, everybody listen to the show has probably seen the movie, so we're spoiling the fuck out of it. Warren goes down the alley all fucking pumped out. The bladders are shooting out of his neck. There's shit shooting out of his head. And then he grabs Pete's neck, and you can see the, the burn marks on it. And of, But the real the real kicker of the scene is when he shoves that fist down Pete's throat, and you can see it going down. But again, it goes down to the editing. You see the fist going towards the mouth, but obviously he's not putting his fist on his mouth, but you get the great illusion that he is because it's edited together in a way that they were able to use their cheap effects along with and make this great shot out of it. So it works. Again, it, it, it works, works as well as the just before Don Connie shoving her arm down the killer's throat, which is like my favorite kill of all time. So yeah. it worked yeah, really that well was, for that. It was just a bizarre scene, and I love just before Don. But yeah, good stuff all around. If you haven't seen it, that's that's a shame on you, man. Uh, people who say, "Oh, trauma films are terrible," well, this is this is one of the better ones. If if you want to watch good trauma films, I'll give you a list of ten that I think that are be enough good enough for mainstream people to watch. And uh, this is at the top of the list. But uh, Suzanne, anything else you'd like to say about that? And what do you give it one to ten? Yeah, this movie th- between this one and Class of nineteen ninety nine. You can literally go through scene by scene, and they are further. I don't fuck that for their time. They are fun. They are well put together. This, like I said, this is the pinnacle of trauma for me. I love Toxie. I love a lot of their other movies. 
But this one is their, their best. It's, it just seems like all of their ideas just came into perfect fruition. It's, it's fantastic. I've had, I've loved this movie since I, since it came out. So this is the one where I'm going to slap a lot of love on it. This is my 10. Love this movie. It never gets dull. It's always as much fun as it was the first time I watched it. I fucking love this movie. And yes, uh, we need the soundtrack. <laughs> I remember I mentioned that uh, you. I wish I had a, had a fancy vinyl soundtrack. It doesn't look complete, but it does have one of those fancy Mondo-covered soundtracks. Nice. Uh, oh, sweet. I don't know this, but I hope somebody did me a solid and ripped it or something. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a record player, to tell you the absolute truth. And, uh, oh, but they do have um, an MP3 download that you can purchase off of Amazon. So, Ooh. what? Get on that shit, man. Yeah, we're, we, we got exactly what we wanted. A buck a piece is probably what it'll be for each song. Yeah, Good stuff. But, um, Court, what do you give it 1 to 10? And any more final thoughts? Yeah, I double-checked, and I wanted to make sure. I was trying to figure out the guy uh, that runs the power plant, Finley. I was like, what else has he been in? I had to double-check to make sure. He was in Street Trash, which is, yes. like, the start of the Meltdown movie. And Troma is infamous for its Meltdown sequences that start here in Class of Newcomb High. Those movies are about three years apart. We had... Street Trash, and then Newcomb High was released three years later, pretty much. So my curiosity is, did the guy who played Finley, who was also the junkyard guy in Street Trash, talk to Lloyd about the work that he was doing in that film, and or whoever with the director and all of that, and did that influence these folks melting down more? Or was that just something that was in the zeitgeist because meltdown things became huge around this time, the late 80s, early 90s? And Troma ran with it. I mean, they put meltdowns in everything after this movie. Um, so that alone is worth half the stars that I'm going to give this film is the fact that it is like the meltdown movie, pretty much. I mean, this one is the one that almost everybody equates to meltdowns. And they even like everything else focuses in on like isn't part two subhumanoid meltdown or something like yeah. that. Like that's the thing they focus in on more than anything else later on in this series. They, they focus more on, like, in those movies, if I remember correctly, mutations from the toxic waste, like, this, some of the students have, like, mouths on their stomachs and stuff like that. Yeah. It, I've seen it. It was one of those, another, like, USA Up All Night where they played them all, but I don't remember it, and I remember being more disappointed in that one. But this film, I would hold up, like Suzanne said, definitely, for my money, the best of all of the trauma films. Probably my favorite Although I would probably enjoy some of the other ones for other nostalgic reasons slightly more. But seeing this HD transfer with the restoration really made me appreciate the effort that they put into the films. And it really squashes a lot of people's beliefs that nobody tries in trauma and nobody cares. That's not the case at all. I mean, you can tell by watching this print of the film, there is a lot of love and a lot of work put into this. There's a lot of stuff done on the cheap for the effects and everything, but... If you didn't know how low the budget was, you wouldn't realize how much they were able to achieve just from what they have here on the film. It's fucking great. I'm going to have to do like a 9.75 on this if I can do quarter points. Cause, That's you fine. Know, yeah, 9, 9.75. The only reason that I'm not going a full 10 is because it's, you know, it's not my absolute like love of all time for films, but it's right there. <laughs> right. It's right on the edge there. 
like right. I said, for me, it's just it's a lot of it is just nostalgia. Right. Because well, I was renting this was when I was in high school. Yeah. And I rented it a lot. Honestly, I don't think I would be like for filmmaking wise, I don't think I would go above a seven on this. But it's the the extra two point seven five is all nostalgic love of seeing it throughout the years and all of these different iterations and versions of it. And then seeing this finalized restored version of it just gave me a whole new appreciation and love for what they did. And just that new appreciation alone is what kind of pushes it over to that above seven like that. Cool. Yeah, Lloyd's proven if you treat your workers like a detriment servant so you don't pay them any pay them, pay, really pay them anything, they'll work real hard to make a good movie for you. And this is a this is proof of that because he paid him in, 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 in slime and, and Popeye's chicken people, okay? <laughs> which is I, also I, slime. <laughs> yeah, which is also made of slime. <laughs> it's in the red beans of rice and everything, people, okay? No, I love, love, love this movie, and I love that I can get the soundtrack now. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that when I get off the line with you people, because uh, I'm, I'm excited to get it out and get it in my ears for the for work in the morning. Um, but yeah, it, like, like everything we said about it, you know, the, the editing is great, the acting is just what you want in a movie like this. He doesn't give a wet fart what you think the the, the guy says, you know, all the time, you know. Um, Taru, goddamn. It's 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 good stuff, man. If you haven't seen it, like I say, you have no excuse. Watch the first one, encroach on your own wishes for the sequels because they're there. They're just not as good. Not not even half as good. But um, it's a ten, man. I gave the other one a ten. I'll give this one a ten too because I love it for all the same reasons. Oh my god, that's it for this one. We'll come back and close out the show after a special surprise from me in court. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. Year 1999, anarchy has taken over the public schools of America. Why aren't you gentlemen in class today? Do you need me to spell it out for you? Every day, teachers fear for their lives. If you allow a student to gain control of a situation, the result is anarchy. Violence is at an all-time high. This is your last warning. But today, there's a substitute. That's a strange dude. Get in your seats, now. Discipline is necessary to maintain order. Order is necessary to prevent anarchy. 
Now class is dismissed, gentlemen. Programmed to teach. You like tormenting people? Designed to kill. Do you have some sort of military experience? Some. Built for maximum discipline. This is a very unstable unit. You're on permanent detention. Today, he's giving the ultimate test. And everyone will fail. I bet you got this whole area booby-trapped. It's live and learn. What's happening out here? Or learn to die. Human beings are soft. They can't take their punishment. They don't make good soldiers. Class of 1999, part two. After all, rules are rules. The Substitute. Coming from Cinetel Films. I live, I die, I live again! Oh my God, Jack, it is you. The only man I ever had sex with. Wasn't that bad? I am a Jedi, like my father before me. But this is the seventh sequel to our original motion picture. Yeah, you guys heard the, the theme music, uh, that, that old familiar theme music. Sloppy Seconds is back, y'all, in segment form. You guys will uh, hear one of these more than likely on every episode. We're me and a co-host. Uh, this time, the guy you've been hearing the episode the whole time, Mr. Court Sipes, is here. How you doing, sir? I'm feeling rather sloppy in second best. Beautiful. That's how I feel every day, man. Every day. <laughs> we're gonna discuss one sequel film per segment whether it's good or bad i i have i have atrocious plans for this segment really bad janky shit that crazy the lot the films you watch for the, the these few first few segments are bad don't wait man i'm not gonna, i'm not gonna push it on you but you know i'm gonna be doing some films with involved chimps in them doing like roller skating and shit you know well, that sounds slightly better than some of the stuff I've watched for your show, so we're good there. Okay. <laughs> I just recently learned how many how many uh, Airbud sequels there are, and it just sounds like you know the the puns are plenty in those titles. Oof. Airbud Air Air sequels, you're calling out pain there. Airbud Golden Receiver. Ah, <laughs> uh, was it Airbud? Or first inning fetch or something like that it's called. That one's about baseball, obviously. Oh man, there's so many. You know, nah. all the all Didn't the dog who played Airbud lose a leg. <laughs> I don't recall. I'm sure there's been many Airbuds. I think there's been so many Airbuds that they replaced them with puppies at some point. I think there's, <laughs> I think there's spooky buddies and space buddies, and I'm not threatening these films, but I, I'm not I'm not putting them out of the question either that I would not do them by myself. Holy shit! I didn't realize that Space Buddies was like an Airbud. Like franchise oh, film, that's so that's funny. insane, dude. They have to have more films on the Olsen twins by now, and that's that was hard, you know, because <laughs> those girls hoard themselves out like nobody's business. You, you yeah, they made a shitload of movies, didn't they? You want a product? Put put you put a lip gloss, put the face on it, and they'll sell that shit, man. I, I gotta respect the hustle, though. I do, you know. 
But, well, they um, had to pay for their extravagant lifestyle somehow. Yes, indeed. <laughs> oh my god. Elizabeth Olsen is awesome, though. God bless the Scarlet Witch. But I'm, I'm going to leave that one alone. We're here today, tonight again, to, to discuss the sequel to one of the films that we covered on this episode, known as Class of 1999-2, The Substitute. Uh, this is a film that uh, I, I saw on VHS, much like Class of 1999, and uh, it's, it's a little different than, than the, uh, the, the original one. Uh, which was this kind of a sequel in its own right. Uh, your Chibo plot synopsis is this... Oh, what the hell is this about? <laughs> this, the, destructive, the destructive cyborg teachers created by Dr. Bob Forrest were thought to have been destroyed, but one has slipped through the cracks. Now the last calling himself John Boland must be stopped before he spreads his path of destruction and mass killings to other high schools. Oh, this, this stars... Star of of, of direct to video and TV, Mr. Sasha Mitchell, who you may know from Step by Step and those Kickboxer sequels. I had no idea, or no, I want to rephrase that. I completely forgot about Cody Templeton being a badass kickboxer. He is he is the code. He's he's the truth, man. And he had some some problems, some some domestic problems, which made made folks not like him very much. And uh, I, I don't want to get into that on this because he's just uh, yeah, we'll get into what his his acting performance this one. <laughs> Nick Cassavetes, who you've seen in many things, is a filmmaker in his own right. Uh, this, this, the, the lead actress, uh, she's done a lot of TV, uh, including her Red Shoe Diaries. If you see her boobs in this one, they're 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 kind of there. Uh, <laughs> Caitlin Delaney is, is the actress. I thought name. she looked familiar, but I couldn't figure out what from. Oh, and I'm a. I'm ashamed to say that she didn't look familiar until she got naked, and now I know why when you said Red Shoe Diaries. I'll see those boobs anywhere, man. Come on now. <laughs> I never forget a breast, Gary. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, the director of this film, uh, this is where work is sketchy. He didn't direct a whole lot. His name is Spiro Rosatos, and he's more famous for his stunt coordinating. Even yeah. today, he's, he's worked everything. Marvel films, Fast and the Furious, stuff that you've seen, Kong, Skull Island. You can go way down the list here, but he's he's worked a ton as a stunt coordinator, and that is his strong suit. I, I think and we'll discuss this because well, I I like creepy things about this, this movie, but um, the the writer of this film that this this is more interesting in my opinion, Mark Sevi I forget I don't know how you pronounce his last name, but he wrote such fair as. Ghoulies 4, which he gets credit in my book, but that's just that's just my kind of awful. That's Ghoulies 4. Oh my gosh. Uh, fast is that the Wynorski one? Is Ghoulies the, 4 the Wynorski one? That's the Wynorski one, yeah. Yeah, that's not where they go to college. It's the one after it's college. It's the one after, where, where, the okay. guy, where the guy from the first movie comes back as a noir detective. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a weird one. It is a, it is a weird movie, but I, I love the strangeness of it. Uh, Scanner Cop 2. Dream a little dream too. He loves his sequels, apparently. So we'll probably be talking about this guy a lot. <laughs> oh, not not. I, I have to really dig deep for that dream a little dream two thing. Ter- Terminal Rush. Uh, he worked with uh, Roddy Piper because it stars Roddy, Roddy Piper and Don the Dragon Wilson. So that's that sounds dope. Sci Fighters starring Roddy Piper and Billy Drago. Oh God. And Moving Target starring Michael Dudikoff and Billy D Williams. Oh, all directed by the same guy too. Um, but yeah, let's, let's talk about the film itself. There's not a whole lot online that I read about this film, 
but basically you you get some flashbacks of the the, the the better film that you saw before this one because this guy is supposedly a robot that was slipped to the cracks by one one albino flat top rat tailed gentleman and uh we find out in the film that he he may not be but I'm gonna kick at the court first and uh what is your assessment of class of nineteen ninety nine two the substitute? This would have been a much better film if they wouldn't have tried to equate it to class of 1999 and just took it for its own thing. Uh, it totally feels like a movie that borrowed the title of a more well-known movie just to get made. Uh, it has a strong, strong start, man. The stunts in this film and the action parts when they happen are really pleasing. And when you said that the director is a stunt coordinator, he clearly called in favors from a lot of stunt folks that he knew and got a lot of the folks that he probably worked with before because there is some amazing stunt work in this. The falls down the staircase when he t- takes out that youth gang in the in the high school the, that opens the film, that one punch that or toss that the the guy gets a dummy thrown on him and then he throws the dummy off and then it turns into a stunt person that slides down the rail and then hits their head on a column. And then that guy that does a backflip and then ends up like falling on the stairs on his shoulders and then rolls the rest of the way down in pain. Like those things are awesome. The gunplay that ends up happening at the end of the film a lot of those kind of shots, the the war games kind of thing that they kind of brought into it, those elements, that's all severely enjoyable stuff. But again, none of this really had to do anything with the idea of Class of 1999, other than they kind of sideloaded it with the idea that, spoiler alert, uh, little Cody Templeton is uh, Mr. Amazing uh, Albino Rat Tail <laughs> Stacy Keach's kid, and he's crazy, and he thinks he's one of the robots. Is that like supposed to be him getting his dad to accept him or something? I I don't know what's going on there because they never really explain a whole lot. Because they they say that the biggest mistake of this film is that it takes place two years later. So unless he's been breeding his son to be some kind of robot man, because we were discussed in their, their review, is Stacy Keach a robot man? You yeah. don't know, but <laughs> um. So I and this film relies heavily on some some PTSD stuff that. Is is really deep seated, and you have to believe that he was possibly a, a real soldier, and this is just some crazy shit that happened to him. So, him, well, he ahead, he sorry. enlisted. They say that he enlisted, and that's one of the things that they talk about that he enlisted and that he was like a marine or something like that. And I'm thinking that he snapped in war during wartime and decided that he was going to become the thing that his father had been working on. Because if he's not a robot, then he doesn't have to have fear. He doesn't have to have emotion. But they play right into that. Like his first appearance in the classroom, whenever the kid drops a book and scares the shit out of him, the very first thing they do is reveal that he's just got severe PTSD and is hiding from himself and what he is in some way, shape or form. Because robots don't do flashbacks, man. That's not how that works. Well, the dog had a flashback in uh, uh, what Hills of Eyes Part 2, you know. <laughs> oh, God, that's so painful. Even the oh, dog God. had a flashback. Come on, man. No. <laughs> I still bitch about that, too. I do. Every now and then, I'm like, when people are, like, talking about how amazing Wes Craven is, I'm like, he gave a dog a flashback in Hills of Eyes too. <laughs> yeah, the, the, uh, the, 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 the work in the catalog is, is not there. I mean... I would rather watch Invitation to Hell, which is a TV movie he made starring Susan Lucci, than watch, I, I don't even know, that movie for sure, you know. <laughs> that, that, that means to be cheesy, but I, we're not talking about that film right now, we're talking about Class of 99 <laughs> Part 2. Yeah. Uh, segways, people, segways. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this this movie, 
there's certain things it does so well, and one of them is not Sasha Mitchell's acting because he he plays it so, so stone faced and so it like wooden in a way where you're trying to believe that he's just like supposed to be a robot man, but by the way he he talks and the way he 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 walks and you know. That, but there's certain parts of this film where you you kind of realize he's human, like there's, because <laughs> where he lacks in, in 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 acting in line delivery, he makes up for his ability to be a peeping tom and to get jealous. Yeah, that was another tell where he's definitely human. He's just watching it, like maybe stroking his his non-robot crank for a while, just uh, <laughs> watching those small titties just pop around, and then you know just breaking his shit. Nick casts about his shit and. <laughs> Blowing it all away with an AR-15. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, America. America's good, you know. <laughs> yeah, although that was probably an M16. It was probably the actual issued uh, rifle to servicemen at the time. But anyway, <laughs> that's another thing that's really bizarre about this flick, man. Like, Sasha Mitchell is... I remember watching him in the Kickboxer, Kickboxer sequels. And I remember really liking them for what they were. I knew that he wasn't the actual Frank Dukes. I knew he was just another guy, and they just wanted to keep doing the Kickboxer series. Well, he was he was the brother of Frank Dukes. That that's the way they're playing it in the script, right? But I remember now. I haven't seen those in ages, but I remember really actually digging those and being like, "These are not bad." Oh, they're good. Yeah. I love, I'm gonna love to cover them on this show one day. They bring, <laughs> they bring back people. But the the class of 1999 thing when they're trying to make him be. Uh, sort of like wooden and tr he's trying his best to be very robotic and it's real uneven when his acting is going because he goes way over the top when he's showing emotion he goes way overboard and pretending to be a robot and it just kind of reminds me of when fry was convinced he was a robot in uh, futurama he's just like silence humans it's now time to ingest sandwiches from my compartments which are his pockets you know like it was that level of like being a robot in this mm -hmm. for saucer mitchell uh, the rest of the people around him are even really not that great at acting. And I think the reason that we could kind of like frame it this way is the director seemed like he was way more into the idea of doing the stunts, doing the interesting like action aspects of the film. And that's why everything else suffers. But if you frame it for these types of I mean, I'm assuming this is a direct -to video type of sequel, right? It never came to theaters. I don't believe. No. Yeah. So for the type of movie that this is, we're talking like what mid to late nineties direct to video type sequel film. This is right on par with its brethren of the types of stuff that you would get, you know, like you can't compare this to the original class of 1999 or class of 1984, which is technically the first in this franchise in this series. And you can't really compare this to an action film like a true lies or something else that Schwarzenegger would be doing in that contemporary what you need to be comparing this to is like a Steven Seagal movie that went direct to video around this time or, you know, John claude Van Damme, whenever. Well, he was actually pretty famous around this time as well. But you need to compare it to like the maybe a Mark Damascus type film that would have been straight to video at the time as well. I'm not trying to put down the talent of the martial artists that are involved in any of this or anything like that. I'm just talking about the filmmaking, the budgets and the direction that goes along with it. I mean, all the other stuff in these movies and movies of this caliber and this type. They have exactly what's going on with this movie. Uh, you have amazing action. You have amazing fight sequences. But the actual acting aspect of it and the drama and everything just falls short. But most of these movies are filling time between the sequences you want with that kind of stuff. A, a perfect example of that is uh, 
Uh, Billy Blanks did a movie where he was a janitor and he taught a kid. Was it Showdown? Was Showdown, the name? yeah. 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 Okay. Now that's a good film to compare this to showdown. Cause that felt like a direct video as well. And if it's not, I apologize to the makers of that film, but I mean, Billy blanks is not a huge enough name to really draw in that theatrical crowd, but he's more than well-known enough to be able to draw in a, a crowd for, you know, a video audience. And I saw the shit out of showdown as a kid. I watched the hell out of that. They read it on cable so much. Right. And I would feel that this would be that type of movie where you would catch it on cable and it would be one of those ones where you're like, oh, fuck, yeah, I'll watch this again. This is the one where that guy goes down the staircase. That's pretty awesome. Like, it's that level of like film where you would watch it for the action aspect of it, just like a showdown with Billy Blanks. You know, it's like that kind of film. And you have to kind of compare it with those kind of movies whenever you're looking at it, whenever you're rating it. And the way they set this movie up, you know, like there's a lot of filler in here because there's a whole through line in which... The teacher lady that, or his love interest, or his jealousy interest, or whatever the hell is going on with this woman, she witnessed somebody getting murdered, and nobody believes her apparently because there's like four discussions in this film at least about maybe you should rethink about testifying. Maybe you should rethink about testifying. Do they not believe her, or are they terrified that she's going to get murdered if she doesn't recant? I I, I can't really tell at this point, but. I well, think the movie a, I, doesn't make it clear enough because it's not doing a good enough job to deliver that. I, I think it's enough in the film because they set it up in a way to where they're all wearing like like prison garbs in this movie, all the students, and they have like bulletproof glass in the classrooms, that they're literally on lockdown and forced to go to school, much like they are excuse me, in the first movie in the, in the class of 1999. So... These students being, you know, dangerous thugs, as they obviously are, even without hearing all this fucking bullshit side story about her testifying against some kid who keeps showing up and messing with her. This, the, these kids are rapey and, and bloodthirsty enough without that stupid little blood, 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 stupid little backstory. And this would have left more time for our director to just like add more tasty stunts or add more fight stuff with, with your star. I mean, I mean, Sasha Mitchell is is not a great actor, but he's a great martial artist. Martial artist, and he needed to be to be showcased more in this movie rather than just like walking around wooden. And now I have a gun, and now I'm wearing I'm wearing protective armor underneath my suit. I can stop a forty five caliber bullet, but but nothing more. That came back to bite him in the ass in the end, didn't it? But I, <laughs> yeah. But they, they, that's the biggest crime of this movie is that they didn't showcase him enough as a martial artist. You get to see a little bit of it, but a lot of it's just some, like roughing people up. Like here's a point in the film where he blows up kids in a car with a grenade. The yeah. Kids that are messing with him because the, the biggest the biggest hole in this movie is he doesn't like people who, who intimidate people. Like he doesn't like bullies, I guess you would call it. So anybody that gives them a problem or gives somebody else a problem, odds are in the next frame of the film they're going to die. This is just the kind of movie this is. And these kids are so far gone and so shitty that nobody would notice if they died. But all this little dramatic stuff and his his tryst, his tryst with this, you know, I, I'd imagine this could have been in there, but not twice. You didn't need a peeping Tom scene twice in this movie. Again, yeah, you already made me feel like a creep once movie when I identified with the peeping Tom. You didn't need to do it again. You're taking away, you know, the non... The, 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 you're taking away... Your your, your uh, star's ability to do what he does best, which is not acting, it's it's the martial arts. He should have had more fight scenes in this movie with the with these thugs, and I think that you know it would have been a more cohesive film. Not that I didn't enjoy myself, I I did enjoy myself watching this movie, but there is certain things that took you out of it, 
and a lot of it's this, this these lulls that I just mentioned. And yeah, <laughs> do you agree, Corn? Am I talking crazy here? No, not at all. You're absolutely right. I, I completely agree with you. The way that I would suggest to fix this is the lady's fearing for her life. She doesn't know how to defend herself. You know, Cody Templeton here is supposed to be this amazing badass, thinks he's a cyborg type of dude. Why didn't he start training her? And why didn't his sad, stalkery, obsessive self come out while he's training her to defend herself and just kind of like, you know, know how to handle a weapon or also, you know, work with her boyfriend who is also a big gun nut and to help her. Like he learns, he teaches her how to do martial arts and then he trains with her and her boyfriend to learn weaponry stuff so you can get all that fun action stuff in. You put in all the dramatic dialogue, but you put it in while they're at the fucking gun range. So they're doing shot, you know, they're shooting these fun, cool weapons to see. They're talking, they're talking while they're doing martial arts stuff. You know, they're, they're showing each other moves. He already knows the martial arts. She already had to do some stunts and some physical stuff. Why not have them do that in like a dojo mat area or like in a fucking gym or something, you know? I mean, it would have been super cheap to film. They could have not spent all the money on the fucking exploding paintballs that were somehow filled with gas, but I'm pretty sure the gasoline would have eaten through the plastic that makes up a paintball, but yes. we won't get into that. <laughs> I mean, there's a bunch of stuff about this movie that's just like, they just completely missed the mark, and it's a really frustrating watch because the stuff that's good is actually really fucking good for this type of movie, but the stuff that's bad just really drags it down, man. You are not wrong at all. But I do like, you know, certain stuff about the film. I think the ending's really neat, although... You know, all she did was read a book, and all of a sudden she's the mentoring candidate all of a sudden. Yeah, that's where I'm saying they should, he should have been training her. And I was reading in the trivia, the idea was that she was actually going to be the real cyborg the dude was looking for. But she was so deep and in denial herself that, you know, Cody Templeton, I'm going to call him Cody Templeton, I'm sorry, I just have to do it. Fair but enough. Cody Templeton pretending to be the android brought her out of who she was and, like, restored her programming or what have you is what the idea was going to be. But then they opted to just have her be like this, um, inherited all of his traits from everything horrible that she's gone through, and now she's going to be the same type of warrior. Plus, they introduced an idea there, which I thought would have been really neat um, in this movie. They, 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 the, his tracker, if you will, brought up an idea of him doing this at many schools. Now, I wish like this end scene was like not just her like getting her kid off, you know, get, getting like. You see weapons on the bed, like you know she's gonna go to work, like he's like he did, but she don't have half the skills that he had. But I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I digress on that. I think the end, more the ending of the film to make their their plot line, the through line plot line of them going from school to school doing this, it's her pulling up to another school and like getting, you know, not going to work, but like stepping towards the school while putting a a, a knife in like the the back of her pants or something, just in case she needed it or something. Just to say, hey, not now she's the new, you know, non non robot. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole thing about he really isn't a robot is a a letdown of a reveal. I think they just didn't want to buy the puppetry for it mm -hmm. to, to show who it is. I mean, Jesus Christ, just have him explode like he did, and then throw a couple of circuit boards. Turns out he really was a robot the whole time. You know, something, man, anything. I mean, it's it's nowhere near the most disappointing part of this film. But I, I like the PTSD aspect of it. But they don't really explore it. They don't really do anything with it. Yeah, you it's all a bunch of half-finished ideas, dude. You just you just assume that he was in war and maybe this did this to him. And, of course, the disapproval of his father. Maybe his father rejected him. Whatever. There's a lot of psychology that's unexplored in this movie. And 
I don't expect much in in ni- class of 1999 to the substitute in, in that <laughs> sense. But I will say that it's it's it it, it meanders a bit, but I, I had a good time with it, and I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bunch of half-finished ideas, but what we got and what they hinted at was a lot more than what you would expect for a film of this level, like, you know, just your average straight-to-video action flick. And it's certainly not the worst of this type. Oh, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot worse. <laughs> and some of them with Mr. Dudikoff, as much as I may love him. Yes. I get, oh, man. But, um, yeah, we're going to rate this sucker. I forget how to rate it the last, for, for the original sloppy seconds, so I'm just going to give it a, a 1 to 10 uh, rating for these episodes so court um anything else you want to say and what do you give it one to ten man i think we pretty much well covered all the all the feelings that i have about it um other than to say i'm really sad to know that in real life cody templeton may have done some things that should make me hate him so i'm just going to pretend like i didn't hear that from you well it was long ago it was, I, I think it was when he was still doing step by step i'm not i'm not saying like he, he's forgiving he's like he's not uh hab- habitual uh you know hitter of women let's put it that way I think it, I think it was an incident that got him let go from the show. I believe. Oh, okay, I can totally see that. And you know, uh, geez, violence against women's a hard thing to forgive. Still, I know, though, but I know, I know it is. <laughs> well, hopefully, he got the help that he deserves and needs to get, and you know, there was restitution for everyone and all of that. But now that we have that severely down <laughs> talk that we just had, whoa, um, whoa, whoa, yeah, I usually like to rate films on how I feel about them more than like the technical aspects of the movie. Now. If I did that, if I did the one through five Netflix thing and just multiplied it by two to hit your 10 scale, this is one of those ones where I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it and I didn't really like it. It's just like kind of a two and a half. So that that hits about seven. Right. I mean, it's about seven. It's it's like it's just it's a it's above average, but not quite really above average. So it's just like right there at seven. Yeah. um, Yeah. I give this uh, seven non robot chubs. Uh, all, all there, man. I give it a seven as well. It's it's, it's good enough. If you seek it out, good luck with that. I think it only has a VHS release. Uh, if it, if it doesn't, I think I saw it on Prime. I think oh. there it's it's a rental. You have to pay, but it is there. Okay, see, there's a, I, I didn't look and explore. I know I know it was available on Vudu, but there was no. I don't think there was any DVD release of it. To the absolute oh. if, if there was, it's like really really rare. So look for it on digital. That's your best bet, I think. And um. Yeah, that's the end of this one, and uh, as my buddy the Phantom America used to say, we'll see you all again in part two. Well, hope that was a nice surprise for you. I hope it was uh, extra sloppy, like the lady in Billy Madison said, you know, and she like, kids like I'm extra sloppy, which sounds really disgusting if I lay his mouth talking to children, you know, but here we are. Oh, yeah. Sloppy Seconds is back as a segment. Um, hopefully every episode. We'll see what I can get together here. Uh if not every other episode, we've been doing this weekly thing, and this will be the fifth week in a row I release a show. This is some kind of some kind of milestone for for yours truly, as far as uh, this is probably probably the most driven I've been to work in a while because a certain person moved out of my house, and I have a lot more peace and quiet in my my mental health as well as my physical hearing. So there's there's that, you know. Um, but thank you, Court, for 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 all this stuff, man. It's good stuff. Oh, it's a total blast. Thank you for rearranging things just so I could be on the show. I mean, two of my all-time favorite childhood films. Loved watching the shit out of these. So much enjoyable stuff. And, uh, well, we'll see what I said about Class of 1999 Part 2. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, of course, you have stuff to talk about, stuff to pimp. 
do that, sir. Yeah, Cinema PsyOps, main landing page, legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash PsyOps, easiest way to find us. We are in Stitcher and iTunes, which I guess is now Apple Podcasts. I should probably start calling it that. Uh, Google Play, uh, also in the Flick app or Flick Chat app or whatever you want to call it, which is like a podcast and social media hybrid app. We're there as well where you can listen to us and also join in. I think the group code is Cinema PsyOps there. I'm on the Instagrams of Cinema PsyOps. I'm on uh twitter as uh at court underscore psyop and uh you can find me on facebook as court psyops the main place to get a hold of us though and to really have a good time probably the only group that doesn't have a bunch of weird backbiting and immature stupid shit like people being assholes to each other on facebook is my cinema psyops group just a lot of fun and people appreciating things (laughs) a lot of alternative photography and memes and weird shit a lot of fun in that group and if you're like that, you will be thrown out today right now, okay? Yeah, yeah, I don't tolerate that. I, I give you pretty much a quick warning, like, hey, stop being a douche, and then if you don't, then you're gone. <laughs> I've not had to do that in a really long time, so knock on wood that I won't have to ever again. I guess I'll do Suzanne's stuff since she's not here. Suzanne had to bounce to go, I guess, watch the Cubs and have dinner or whatnot. She's so lame, people. But yeah. she's, she's, she's on the NFW uh, podcast with Nudie. Jake the Steak and Willis, and usually myself, uh, the, the just wrapping up the, the Sea Creature Month, I think it is, with uh, Peter Benchley's The Beast, which is a TV movie. It's it's okay. I, we, we have only recorded part one. Part two, we're recording soon. I'd imagine when all the crazy uh, giant squid stuff happens uh, in the second part. Larry Drake with a weird sea shanty beard. It's really it's really strange to see him in such ways, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, you could fire her. Fire you could fire her. You could fire her and pick a new co-host. I'm playing. You, you, could, fi- <laughs> you could find her on Twitter at fly01 and follow the bloody ballerina. I hope we did it justice, girl. Uh, but me myself, you could find me on the on the book of face, as she says, on uh, Cinnamon Beef Facebook page. Come join it. We'll let you in. No drama. No selling sunglasses, please. <laughs> or your goddamn fucking uh, team logoed uh, jerseys that are clearly just bootlegs. Or if you want to sell a movie or something, please ask my permission first. I got to make sure you're not crazy or something. That's fine, too. You know? <laughs> I've had that experience one time. Never again, people. Never again. Um, Twitter GW, Twitter, Twitter at CinnaBeefCast. Come listen to all these great shows and two drink minimum commentaries on the Legion Podcast Network, along with Court's show, shows, <laughs> and um, Fleas and Flicks charity auction. Uh, I won't get much out of this weekend because I'm not allowed to solicit at the big Comic-Con, but <clears throat> I will be getting more stuff in, and you can win such stuff as that very amazing original Night of the Creeps poster that's signed by those great cast members. That was a That was a fun weekend. Those are all great people. And uh, Fred Decker told me told me to tell the kids to watch RoboCop three, and I said I'll do it for you, Fred. I'll do it for you because <laughs> you, you you and I both know that was uh that was some shit. It wasn't your fault, but it was some shit. Filled the great character actors though, much like these movies, you know. Yeah, totally. Man, CCH Pounder in the house in that movie. <laughs> Leader of the resistance, represent. Yes, indeed. Oh, she's great, though. I love, love to do a whole episode dedicated to her. It'd be amazing. I would love to be on that. I'm a huge fan of CCH Pounder. The Shield, dog. The Shield. Ah, oh, <laughs> word. Shield like a motherfucker. Yes. 
Uh, but that's it for this one. I, I, I will announce what's coming up in the next episode because I'm almost certain we haven't done these movies yet. Uh, <laughs> so here we go. Bill Ransdell will be joining us. I think Iris, and I want to say at, at least Iris and, and probably Jamie and uh, maybe a Suzanne. I don't know. Depends how time goes. But we're going to basically do like uh, like old like old, old men vengeance movies. We're going to do Bubba Hotep. This is an untitled show so far, by the way. And uh, the great Sam Elliott in The Man Who Killed Hitler and then The Bigfoot. So that's it's going to be... Uh, so some geriatric ass kicking on the next next episode, and I can't wait to talk about both these films. And I know Mr. Lansdale gets a lot of love for for Bubba Hotep and all the rest of his writings, and I'm sure there'll be a, a love fest on this episode because all those folks read and I do not. <laughs> so I'm sure I'll hit all the similarities between the movie and the book because uh yeah, oh my gosh, that's it for this one. Thanks for listening. This has been your Sin and Beef podcast, where if you've got beef, we've got the grinder. See y'all next time. Just like a sister or a brother